0: This is Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Come on, let's all go to the lobby because people are staring at us, listening to these shows while we're in the theater.
1: The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences.
2: How do I? I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine.
3: No, no, no,
2: no, no! You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to
4: return
2: this
5: is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is Episode 4. My name is Pete. This is Jane. And I'm Paul. (laughs) The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old-time radio series, episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss when they get together.
6: We'll open each episode by introducing the episode, we'll describe it briefly, and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end of the selection, and then we're going to discuss it at length, each one of us giving our opinions on its merit, its performances, or anything else that stands out for us.
4: And that's exactly what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us. And in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Each of us will take
6: turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's selection was mine, and that was an episode, Lights Out. Just in case you didn't hear it, you really should listen to the show. Uh, This month, we come around again to Pete. And what do you have for us
5: this time around, Pete? Uh, for this installment, I'm bringing you an episode of a brilliant BBC comedy program called The Goon Show, which ran on BBC Home Service from 1951 to 1960 and starred Harry Secombe, Spike Milligan, and Peter Sellers. Spike Milligan did the lion's share of the writing for the series, and both he and Sellers played several characters each. Harry Secombe usually played the foil, or as they put it, the Charlie, or man who gets conned, Nettie Seagoon, but he occasionally played other characters. You'll hear him playing Rommel himself at the beginning, and then Nettie later on. The radio show is still hugely popular, and the BBC is still selling recordings to this day. It spawned a short-lived, all-puppet version on TV, and at least one movie, but neither of these versions are nearly as popular as the radio version. We'll talk more about that later. And so, without further delay, we present Rommel's Treasure from 1955 and The Goon Show.
4: And now, Adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen.
1: This is the BBC Home Service. But please don't take it too hard. Second set. A third set. Motion
2: carried. Huzzah! We're in. This <laughs> means yet another extraordinary talking-type wireless goon show. I don't write tunes like that anymore. <laughs> Let's hear the other side.
3: Stop!
7: Stop that crazy shepherd's bush mambo! <laughs> you simple people now put the screens around bed number two. That he may not have to listen to the story of the search for Rummel's treasure. Oh or...
2: Say now. (laughs) Oh yes. (laughs) The search for Rumble's treasure, all
7: Hear that sound, dear listeners.
1: I wonder what it is. It was El Alamein, 1942.
2: <laughs> the sound of chickens has specially been added for people living in rural districts. <laughs> Rommel's treasure, Part I. The
8: hindquarters of the Africa Corps. <laughs> hey, General Rommel! Hey, General
2: Rommel! Hey, General Rommel, where are you? This is loose. Ah, oh, there you are. The British have
7: broken our line. Curse. All are washing in the mud again. <laughs> Listen, Herr General, it is serious.
2: We must retreat, otherwise the British will lose. You're right. It's a shame to disappoint them after all the troubles they've been through. <laughs> Caporal Chuff. <Da>. Pack <laughs> Pac- my Jewish piano. I'm leaving. Da. Capitan Moriarty. Yeah, ja, my General. You are one of the few Captain Moriarty's I can trust. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I have a special job for you. It shall be done. Good. You see this mysterious black box? Yeah. You know what is in it? Nein, mein Herr General. Good. Then it is a secret between you and I. I give you my hand. Shake, rattle, and roll. Now we must bury the black box ten feet above the ground. Ten feet above the ground. But people will see it. That's a chance we will have to take.
7: (laughs) Over lightning. Ah, my (laughs) nary. My life, what am I doing in this army? I don't know. Help us with this black box.
2: Uh, (laughs) Sit tennis it's in
8: There's nothing in my contract about lifting prop baskets. That's all I know. I don't want to know about
7: it. And so they buried the black box ten feet above the ground. Then Rommel made good his escape in James Mason's car. <laughs> but I tell you, only just in time. Right then, the British arrived.
2: Hands up, or I'll draw my rations. <laughs>
7: it's an English Navy manager.
2: Don't move, don't move, or I'll turn the key in this tin of spam. <laughs> now,
7: where's Jim Rommel? He's gone to see Fred Hitler. You'll never catch him, Englander. He's flying back to Deutschland.
2: Nonsense! He's going to Germany. Private <laughs> oh. Eccles. Uh-huh. Eccles, stay on guard at this spot and don't move until I come
7: back. Oh, please. Remember, the code word is. Habanier. Remember the code word is Habanier. Okay. Habanier. All right till you come back. It's splendid.
2: I'll see you get the emotion for this. Thank you. Now,
7: here, <laughs> Come come.
2: We must take you to the interrogation officer. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> German officer outside, sir. I surrender. He's a prisoner, sir. Oh! Bring the coward and his money in.
7: Take Pick your pities.
2: Come
1: You are Ingridus. Oh,
2: What? show? you're him. Yeah. Now then, regiment. Expand and get spontaneity pants <laughs> of Don't you dare do it here.
3: <laughs>
2: now, first name. Hans. Hans. Second name. Knitz. Hans Knits. And bump the day. <laughs> I, next dance, please. I was just beginning to enjoy this one. Now, here, Capitan, yeah. what I... That watch you're wearing. What about it? That watch. How many numerals on the dial? Twelve. It's mine! <laughs> mine had twelve. Give me that watch. Uh, uh, I'll prove it's mine. I'll just strap it round my wrist.
3: Uh, uh,
2: make another three holes.
3: Uh,
1: there, it fits me perfectly. <laughs> Take him away, Thank you. That melody signified the end of part one. Part two, five years after the war in a Tobruk officer's mess. I say, does anybody want to know the time?
2: Very well, I'll tell you. It's 9.28 exactly.
1: Thank you. I feel no pain. And... <laughs> And what of Captain Moriarty?
7: Yes, what of me? I was in Libya trying to find
2: the elusive black box, Rommel's treasure. Do try and remember where you buried it, Moriarty.
7: I've tried, but I can't. If only we could locate the British lieutenant who captured me, he might help us.
2: I wonder where he is. I I had retired from the army. and was on a goodwill tour of North Africa, teaching Morris dancing to the Arabs. (laughs) They didn't seem to be quite getting the hang of it. (laughs) Um, However, one night out of curiosity, I entered a curiosity shop. Good evening. Have a gorilla? No, thanks. I've just put one out. Oh. Uh, Can I help either of you two gentlemen? Two? I'm alone. Good heavens, so you are. (laughs) Are you the proper iota? Yes, Mr. Hercules, great pipe thin, doctor of philosophy, professor and degree in mathematics, master of arts, MA, cantab, and knight order of the bath. Good heavens. I wish I had those qualifications. So do I. <laughs> Are you absolutely sure that you won't have a gorilla? No, thank you. Oh. I'll tell you what. I'm going back to England in a few days, and I'd like to buy something for my wife, antique. Well, how about this early pottery record of Max Goldray? Shall we dance? I should love to.
0: That's nice. Oh, blimey.
8: In like that. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs>
2: Now, I don't think she'd care for that antique. How about uh, something more Egyptian? Oh, yes. Well, here is a catalogue of our current pyramids for sale. Uh, pyramids? <laughs> I couldn't take one of those back to England. Of course not. You leave it here, and every now and then we write, letting you know how it's getting on. <laughs> oh, jolly English-type joker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> middle, model. <laughs> uh, to name but a few. <laughs> Think of it. Huh? It would be something to own a pyramid, eh? Hey? Wouldn't it? Of course it would. Yes, yes it's catalog it? Eh? Yes. That's my brochure. Yes. How is your old brochure? Yes, I say. How much is this pyramid on page three? My dear sir, you couldn't have chosen a better model. <laughs> Only done 4,000 years and had one previous owner. Why is he selling? He died. <laughs> Oh, I am sorry. I'm terribly oh, sorry. But, uh, how, how about this one here? Oh, that. Well, of course, that is the great pyramid of Tutmosis the Third, son of Ka, the sun god, great pharaoh of the Upper and Lower Nile kingdoms, conqueror of the Scythians, the Assyrians, treasure vault of the Ptolemies, and the greatest pyramid in the world. How much? <laughs> Eight bob. Tell me, but, but it's second-hand. Curse. The man must be an Egyptologist. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't pay eight shillings. All right, very well, then, nine. Nine and six. Ten shillings. <laughs> Ten and six. Sold to the knit in the plasticine boots and lead trilby.
3: <laughs> now, when
2: can I see my pyramid? Immediately. I'll have you driven there in my own private trousers. No Moriarty!
7: I heard you call my capitaine.
8: You rotten swine, that's my line. Oh, get uh, out here. Get, get out of, here. Out of
3: here. <laughs>
7: I'm very sorry, but...
8: You! Captain Moriarty!
2: Yes. I arrest you as an escaped prisoner of war. Subistinacos, the war's over. Nonsense, it's only an interval. <laughs> and shall we dance? <laughs> You're still as beautiful as when I've married you. Stop! Stop
7: that sinful dancing. Gridpipe, yes? this is the Charlie who captured me at Alamein in 1942. <gasps> See if he remembers where the spot was.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Seacroon, have you a good memory? Uh, Have (laughs) I? In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Really? (laughs) Do you know? You're much older than I thought. (laughs)
7: It's a pretty blunge. Lieutenant Seacroon, what we want to know is, do you remember the name of the spot where you took me prisoner?
2: Oh, yes, I remember the spot well. It was a place called, um... (laughs) Africa, that's it, Africa. (laughs) Yes, 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 but what I mean is the exact spot. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't recall. Come, come, come. Can't you think of something? Let me see now.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, now now I
2: come to think of it, I I do remember something. What? In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yes, 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 Neddy. But don't you remember anything after that? No, they threw me overboard. (laughs) You don't wish to know that stop that living. Need Need a little loo. Look! If you contact Major Bladnock, he has the original maps which show the exact spot where you were captured. Splendid. Well, then. Thank you, Mr. Sneegroon. thank you. Gladys?
0: Yes, darling?
2: <laughs> Gladys, darling, drive this Charlie out into the desert, drop him near something that looks like a pyramid, and then leave him.
0: Right-o, darling. This way, sir. Call blimey, get
1: in. Thank you. Now, if listeners will adjust their ear trumpets to the new high frequency, they will be able to hear Rommel's treasure part the dry. The scene, Libya, the time, the present day. Inside a British officer's mess at the Wadi of El Yawant. The wadi El Yawant. <laughs>
2: Major Bloodnock? Yes, and the time is exactly 10.23 and two seconds. Is that the headquarters of the third Filthmark Fusiliers? It is, and furthermore... Yes? It is now 10.23 and three <laughs> seconds.
7: Major, you have in your possession certain war maps that I would like to borrow. Why? I've been trying to locate a certain spot in the desert.
2: What makes you think that I'd lend you British military maps? Money. What a lucky guess. <laughs> I shall bring them round. Uh, What is the address, dear? Gridpipe Tins Curiosity Shop,
7: Mercer MacMatru.
2: Fine, fine. Uh, Look, uh, before I leave, I, well, I do think that you ought to know something. What? It's coming up to ten (laughs) twenty-four. Exactly. Taxi to the Street of a Thousand.
1: That recording is now on sale at all good chemists. <laughs> now, here is a recording of Neddy Seagoon in his taxi. If anybody wants me, I'll be in the announcer's restroom.
0: Get out, darling. This is your pyramid here, called Blimey.
2: <laughs> Thank you, darling. I saw before me a pile of earth ten foot high, which as yet, unbeknown to me, was the hiding place of Rommel's treasure. Surely this couldn't be the great pyramid of Totmians. It's so small. He's gone. He's gone, leaving me in charge of all this sand. <laughs> leaving me to starve in the desert. This is terrible. I, I haven't paid him. Anyone behind that pyramid?
7: I've been here. I've been here? have been here what? Here for ten years. <laughs> Good heavens, Private Eccles. Yeah. Mad Dan you, Eccles. I'm... Yeah, you, you, well, you told me years. the, the wait here until you came back, remember? Oh, yes. Oh, horror of horrors. Oh, me?
2: To <laughs> your faithful old hairy English Tommy. Ten years you've waited here rather than disobey that last order I gave you. Stay here till I came back, I said to him. He waited alone in the desert. He never wavered from his duty. He kept the name of servitude shining bright. Eccles, Eccles, you upheld the flag. You never questioned the order. You stayed out here alone. You, without food or water. You, without money. You, without anything to stop you walking away. You,
7: you idiot! (laughs) What, what, what? Me, an idiot? Let me put this violin down, I'll tell you. Now, listen, you don't think for ten years I've been standing here on guard? I mutinied. I refused to uh, obey an order.
2: There was nobody here to give
7: any orders. I gave them myself. (laughs) Like this, listen. Private Eccles, fall in! You were late. Come on, hurry up, Lord, Private Eccles, from the right... Number. One. Fine, fine, (laughs) fine. From the left, number. One. Good, good. Private echoes my good man. Slope arms. I ain't not going to do it. (laughs) Come, 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 my good man. I'm giving you an order. Slope arms. I ain't not going to slope my arms. Come, come, private Eccles My good man, why are you pointing that gun at me? Put that gun down, my good man I won't, yes you will I won't, yes you won't, I won't I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't I I shot him
3: (laughs) Dear
2: listeners, I fear that ten years alone in the desert have softened his brain he thinks he's two people. Eccles! Come here, good lad. Yeah? Lie down. Good, uh, good boy. Steady now. That's, That's it. <laughs> Lie down. That's right. There. Now, say after me, there is only one Eccles.
7: There is only one Eccles. What about me
3: over here? <laughs> <laughs> ah!
7: No! I must be hearing things. Why?
2: I'm even imagining I can hear Ray Litton singing and playing a certain old melody. Exit for a short gorilla. <laughs>
0: Love me or leave me or let me be lonely You won't believe it, but I love you only I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else Yes, the night time's the right time for hugging and kissing Night time is my time for just reminiscing Regretting instead of forgetting with somebody else I want no one unless that someone is you, you, you. I intend to be independently blue, 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 blue. I want your love, but I don't want to borrow. To have it today, to give back tomorrow. But my love is your love, or no love for nobody else. tomorrow.
2: all a Mirage prayed by Raylington now Eccles do you know your way out of this desert I can't say I do well say something else I don't (laughs) needle needle no naughty hairy soldier get to the top of that ten foot pyramid which up to now I don't know contains the black box and scan the horizon okay what can you see nothing use your binoculars
7: okay oh that's better see anything now
2: Oh, but you can see it much clearer, will <laughs> be. Listen. What? There's a record of an elephant approaching. We are saved. Fire your gun to attract his attention. Scholar with knees heavily wired for sound. You're in good hands.
8: Thank you, my captain, for them kind words. Thank you. Thanks. You rotten swine, you
2: dear listeners. Here I was in a harassing position. One, I was with an old hairy English soldier who had lost his mind. Two, I had been sold a pyramid of much smaller size than I had bargained for. Three, actually it wasn't a pyramid but the burial place of Rummel's treasure which up to now I did not know. Four, I had shot down the world's greatest cardboard and string aviator and five, it was early closing day in East Acton! (laughs) There, there. Don't take it so hard, dear listener. They're opening again tomorrow. (laughs) But hist... I hear someone approaching. Everyone hide behind the horizon. Stop the car.
8: Stop the car, will you? Switch something off anything.
2: Oh, this is the place. And we arrived here dead on 11.30. so Pristee, look.
7: That's it. What? That's, that 10-foot mound there. Gladys, take the shovel and you'll find the black box at the top, darling. Oh, yes, darling. Great white. Soon we'll have the treasure.
2: I watched as they unearthed the black box. Then I sprang. Hands up, I'm oh, A oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. retired English navy manager. You devilish man. You sold me a phony pyramid and left me in the desert to die.
7: To die? I thought it was yesterday.
2: <laughs> I don't wish to do that. Hey, see, look, Neddy, don't take on so. Moriarty, yes. And get the black box, which up to a moment ago, Neddy, didn't know was buried in the mound, and get it into the car. Well, sir. <laughs> Neddy? It's all been a dreadful mistake. We'll refund you the money, and here is an advance in Hittite pottery vases. Stop! Stop that taxi! The swine Moriarty's got away with Ronald's treasure. Treasure, he won't get far. Eccles, bend down. Okay. Right now, everybody on. Hold tight. Off you go,
3: Eccles!
7: (laughs) Neddy,
2: he's running beautifully. Yes. He's only done 4,000 miles. (laughs) My, what a lovely night. Shall I... Shall I tell you something? What, Neddy? You're just as beautiful as when I first married you.
1: You tease. (laughs) Shall we dance? Needle noddle. And so, dear listeners, they danced in hot pursuit of Moriarty. Now, here is a record of Moriarty and his taxi in full flight. Faster, faster, Gladys, darling. They're gaining. What's the time? It's a blast. It stopped.
7: Good heavens, wait. What's that sign ahead? Danger, minefields. Mine minefields. Yes, don't stop. It's only an old war sign. Yeah. Keep driving on. Keep it clear. The way
1: People with television sets will see that the explosion blew Rommel's small black box up in the air and it lands on...
8: I <laughs> not, not this game. <laughs>
2: hey! The red box! Rumble's treasure, which up to three hours ago I did not know was buried in a ten-foot mound. <laughs> give it to me, <laughs> give it to me, give it to me. This gun is loaded. I'd lost the treasure. Now I'll just lift the lid. Oh!
3: A music
2: box. Shall we dance?
3: Yes, darling. <laughs>
1: Blues. So, BBC recording program featuring Peter Sellers, Harry Seekman, Spike Milligan, with the Railington Quartet and Max Gelbray. The orchestra was conducted by Wally Stott, script by Spike Milligan, announcer Wallace Weedslade. The programme was produced by Peter Eaton.
6: Was an episode of The Goon Show called Rommel's Treasure, and it was originally broadcast on October 25th, 1955, on BBC Radio. So, Pete, this was your selection. So, tell us why did you choose it?
5: Well, I've been a fan of The Goon Show since I was a kid. I think I mentioned in our last episode that I used to listen to a show on WCBU in Peoria called do you remember these and it was an old-time radio program that played old-time radio shows so when i was a teenager listening to the radio while i was doing the dishes on comes this bbc comedy and i i I didn't catch the name of it at the time but i remember one specific line they did um (laughs) they, they were doing some sort of battle scene and they needed a weapon and um some young boy comes up and he says Hmm. Well, who are you? I'm Beau Jest. Oh, I could spit. And somebody else says, It's a crossbow!
3: <laughs>
5: so that was the weapon they needed. That stuck with me, you know? So uh, when I got to Scotland, I remembered the Goon Show and, and went to uh, record stores in Scotland and bought cassettes, okay? This was in the, in the early 90s. I didn't have a CD player at the time. And cassettes were still pretty popular. So... I bought tape after tape after tape that I could find. And so I amassed quite a collection of Goon Show recordings. Rommel's treasure stood out for me as one of the zaniest ones, and it's just so full of uh zingers and one-liners and, and gags and, and um just hilarious silly silly stuff that I, I had to share it with uh with both of you and our listeners. So that's why. <laughs>
6: Well, I think that's some very good reasons. Very good reasons. So jump in.
5: Yeah, what did you think uh, of
6: it? What did I think of it? I,
5: one of
6: you. I will tell you what I thought of it. Okay. I I absolutely loved it. <laughs> and um, I I thought it was great. And I I wasn't familiar with Spike. So I got a little more familiar with Spike. And that uh, um, was a fun uh, interesting lesson in itself but back to the show I, I really enjoyed it because of those snappy one-liners you know and they're coming at you and it takes two or three listens and I finally found a script. Um,
5: oh Paul, so you follow along I, with the script while you are listening?
6: Yeah yeah okay. on the third listen I followed with the script
3: and mm-hmm.
6: um, so, because there are some things, you know, because they come so fast, but I tell you what, you know, the, you know, the, the past, the code word of heaven year, heaven year 10 years, but, but I don't um, even know if that's a real I,
5: word that they made I, into a pun, but I,
6: um, but what I'm going to tell you is that I loved it because this show exposed me to new music and new musicians. And when I learn new music, that is always fun and exciting for me because there are some great musicians that were in the Goon Show. Oh, yeah, and
5: yeah. Max Gildred, the, the harmonica.
3: Yeah, yeah and, and I
5: loved <laughs> when he starts playing and you have the, the, the other characters like, mm, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was Ray there Ellington saying, <laughs> Ray Ellings, say, That's nice. And then and then Peter Sellers, his blue bottle says, I wish I could play the mouth organ like that. That's
3: nice. <laughs> you know,
5: it was fun. It was a
6: seamless weave. And I loved how they did that sliding into the music and then out of it and, you know, employing it. And of course, Ray Ellington uh, um, also doing a voice in the show was fun. Yeah. He doing his Gladys. Rochester. Yeah. Gladys. Yeah doing the rochester thing call blimey <laughs> that was just um, so
4: funny with with that voice saying call blimey you know yeah i got you i got your car
5: sir call blimey you yeah. know get you know. out call blimey yeah, yeah. so ray ellington um, right. was uh half english and half american i think his uh father was a white englishman and his mother was a black american
6: no, so he, his mother was his mother was, was an English Jew.
5: His oh, mother really? was
6: an English Jew and Okay, I got it mixed um, up. Okay. And uh, uh why where where those notes went. Um and his dad Well, of course I didn't uh cop that part. So, anyway, but yeah, whatever. Uh but His was dad was mixed
5: American. race. Yes.
6: Yeah, he, mixed race and uh, a amazing musician.
5: Yeah, he, I love his singing voice. Uh, <laughs> he's got that wonderful gravel in his voice, but he could still hit high notes. That's uh, absolutely that's really terrific. I think, yeah, I think they were trying to mess up. Yeah, and I think they are trying make, to make Max Geldre, the harmonica player, mess up, but he didn't. You know, that's, they're trying to make him giggle. Yeah, I think he started on the Goon Show. He was only in his teens, if I remember correctly. He's Dutch, uh, but... Mm-hmm when he had an occasional speaking line, he sounded English.
3: He didn't (laughs) have,
5: you know, the Dutch accent. Uh, He didn't speak in this one, but uh, he has, I've heard him uh, in some episodes. Yeah. So what do you think there, uh, Paul?
4: Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I've been like a Monty Python fan since I was a little kid. So when I first heard of The Goon Show and started listening to it, I mean, it, it It was nothing that you really had to adjust to because they already set you up for Python, you know. And so then when you know Python, you're going to know the goon show, you know. Yeah,
5: exactly. Exactly. So uh, if you're like me, if you're like me, Paul, you watched uh, two episodes of Monty Python every Saturday night on both uh, (laughs) um, the local public TV station and W.I.L.L. out of Bloomington Normal. Yep. Because we had it at 10 and then at 1030 uh, when I was growing up. So it was... I don't
4: remember what the name of the 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 cause I think we used to get the PBS station from Chicago WTVP. Yeah. Well, TV-P.
5: in Peoria, WTVP oh, and then okay. the W I L L from the University of Illinois.
6: Yankees talking.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> now, all of them
5: started in, with W's. <laughs>
4: Oh, well, bless your pea picking heart. Oh, <laughs> now. Cotton-picking. You get my, it right. My, mother, my mother-in-law is Southern, so believe me, I know what that line means.
5: <laughs> it means you're really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't think you're stupid, Jane. Not at all. Uh, so let's get Thanks. back to the English humor. The English humor here. Um, now, now, let's talk about the the cast members. Harry Seacombe. Um, played Nettie and now, and, and he played Rommel. I love that line. <laughs> Captain Moriarty, you are one of the few Captain Moriarty's I can trust. Think of up. And so, I don't know if you recognize his voice or, or know where else he's done, but he was, he had a huge following in England, but um, people in America may not have heard of him until they saw the movie Oliver. Because Harry Seekin played Mr. Bumble, and he sang that one boy, boy for sale. Did you ever see Oliver? Uh, the movie? I haven't
6: seen Oliver in a long time. Not well, neither have I, but
5: I, 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 I recognize I him. As soon as I heard his voice on the Goon Show, I said, I've heard his voice before. And it was Mr. Bumble. Uh, Spike Million, you know, the, who, who was um, Moriarty and um, several other characters was in The History of the World Part 1, the Mel Mm -hmm. Brooks movie. He was, um, I think, in the French Revolution scene. He was imprisoned, and the woman was trying to get Mel Brooks as the king of France to release her father. And he was insane. So I think that was him. And, uh, of course, Peter Sellers, Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther films. uh, He was in The Mouse That Roared. He was in Lolita, He was, of course, his final one. I think one of his final roles being there, uh, Chauncey Gardner um, and so many other so many other wonderful performances. He did the lion's share of the character voices. I mean, he and Milligan could really I don't know if you it's it's hard to tell unless you're familiar with the show like I am hard to tell who does what. Agreed. Yeah. So you've got to be familiar with the characters. So go through this um, in this episode. Harry Seekin played Nettie Seagoon and General Rommel and some other background voices, I'm sure. Spike Milligan played Eccles. He's the, how many, for 10 years? He did Eccles. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, Count Moriarty. You know, I would have guessed that would have been Sellers doing Eccles. Mm-mm. No, no, no. That was that was his. Hmm. Was, everybody loved Eccles. Uh, Sellers played uh, Major Blood Knock. He was the one with the watch. Yo watch. Uh-huh. How many numerals are on it? Twelve. Twelve. It's mine. Nine. And so he pl- spent the whole remainder of the show telling everybody what time it was. It's <laughs> every two major, seconds. Major blood knock. and um, also Hercules Gritpipe Thin, a wonderful name. Hercules Gritpipe Thin was um, the proprietor the of, the, yes. of the of the shop, and um, How about and, then, gorilla? and then yes, <laughs> now that is a joke that. Yeah. Played in another episode. Have a gorilla, and and, and then Seacum says, uh, "No thanks, I've just put one out." In another episode, they play that all the way through, and it was, um, "Say have a gorilla," "No thanks, they hurt my throat," <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then somebody asks uh, um, Eccles if he wants a gorilla. Says, "No, no, no, try one of my monkeys. They're milder." <laughs> and, so, <laughs> So, but then somebody takes somebody takes a gorilla, and all, and then you hear, Bruh! and it's, oh strong. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just an allusion to that uh, previous episode. I'm pretty sure that um, so they didn't go through the whole thing. But everybody at the time who listened to the Goon Show said, "Oh, they're talking about that other that other one." So um, that was pretty much the cast of this episode. The announcer is Wallace Greenslade. He was very good at jokes as well. He had a wonderful sense of humor, and they would give him comedy lines to do from time to time. Uh, He didn't do much in this one. But they once had an entire episode devoted to Wallace Greenslade called, naturally, The Wallace Greenslade Story. (laughs) uh, It shows how he came up uh, in the the ranks of the BBC announcing uh, staff uh, and it's very funny, so I recommend you look that one up—the Wallace Greenslade story. It's one of the one of the funnier ones. But um, I'm glad you both liked it. It's a um, just hilarious show all the way through. I don't think there was a single uh, sour note, in my opinion.
6: Okay, so are we ready to uh, to vote?
5: Nobody else had anything to say, Paul. Any other comments? Um, uh, no.
4: Effortless British humor. Okay. Agreed.
6: Agreed. Okay, then. So, what are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, first of all, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, whether or not it's a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Pete, since this was your selection, go first
5: thank y'all thank y'all uh, as to the first point i think this is absolutely uh representative of the goon show humor it's got all of the main characters they are zany they're funny it's got a wonderful song by max Geldray and a terrific tune by ray ellington and his quartet uh plus ray joins in on the fun so all the way through the jokes the the the, the gags the story itself is so silly <laughs> and bury this mysterious box ten feet above the ground. It's just you try everybody's trying to imagine um, Okay, how do you bury something ten feet above the ground? But um they really tied it in well with the pyramids and uh so it was slightly <laughs> slight <yeah>, excuse me. <laughs> I get to laughing and I get to coughing. Um Yes. Uh it was slightly believable <laughs> how they were able to tie that one in um but, and then the whole thing with um, the the long gag with Eccles and the habanier and the <laughs> where you new, new, <laughs> I ain't a gonna do it <laughs> no, no no mom no no Eccles there's no need to point that gun at me my good man <laughs> So yes very much representative of of the series and it is so funny that even if you don't know the characters, you could listen to the show and just get a kick out of it the way the two of you did. You uh, know, I, I think Paul has had some experience listening to other goon show, but maybe this was your first one, Jane. Yes. First, so okay. So um, and you enjoyed it. So yeah, I believe that any radio collector should have this in his or her collection, and that's how I feel about it. Next,
4: Paul. Paul, well, I also agree. I, I think this is very uh, important, actually, kind of in the history of comedy, because they they were more they were very groundbreaking, you know, and uh, they really set the tone for a lot of things after them. Namely, of course, Monty Python, but yes. they were they were just like the frontrunner the front runner for all that stuff. And if you watch any like documentaries about monty python they'll all tell you that they were huge huge fans of the goon show and everything and they just couldn't get enough of it and that was a lot of their inspiration and so i think it's a very important show uh, aside from just being fun and funny and everything i think it is rather important in the history of comedy also and i mean uh the thing i love is when you have just three people but when you have such a well-rounded sounding program, because they all do so many great voices, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not so much you know subtle voices or something like that, but weird, wacky, over-the-top they're, they're voices. Musical they have voices. Such a, yeah, yeah. They have such a wide range of the things that it's hilarious, and it, and it helps round it all out a lot too. And so, yes, I vote a positive on this because I really think it is important for. Everyone who truly wants to know about the history of comedy as an old-time radio aficionado would add this to their
5: collection. Excellent, excellent. Jane, (laughs) Jane, is there anything left to say, Jane? Tell us, please. (laughs) What did you think?
6: I, I, you know, as I said at the outset, I thought it was a great show. I would recommend this. And, you know, I know you're not going to steer us wrong. Heat. Uh, so Maybe I'll clearly, do it on purpose next time, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Here we go. Um, obviously, it's a true representative uh, installment of the overall series. Just from what I I went on and read about it myself, and Spike Milligan, and of course, he, he, I could see where this is would be uh, the basis and and big in, influences on the Monty Python crew. So that and. In and of itself, I think for anybody who is a huge Python fan, but who isn't familiar with the Goon Show, check it out. You know, this is good stuff. And music fans, too, if you love jazz, check it out because this has everything. And Spike Milligan was groundbreaking with his sound effects, and he taught himself how to play trumpet and so he was very into music and his compositions come out with just some of these weird sound effects and the musical sound effects so that's fun to listen to and for so i would delve into more goon show if you're not familiar with it and i would say definitely put this one in in your collection for sure
5: excellent excellent yeah thanks jane you know who else was uh, heavily influenced by the goon show the beatles The Beatles, they listened, they, you know know how funny the Beatles were when when they're doing interviews and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. They learned that from listening to the radio and listening to the Goon Show. Uh, John Lennon um, was interviewed, or he reviewed the Goon Show scripts, a collection of scripts in the 1973 uh, edition um, for the New York Times, and he wrote, I was 12 when the Goon Show first hit me, 16 when they finished with me. Their humor was the only proof that the world was insane. <laughs> John, at least, was heavily influenced by the Goon Show. Now, um, there was something else. Milligan wrote funny songs that became huge hits, and then they would plug them in a com- comedic way on on the show. It's like Harry Seekham might have a, a song that came out, and say, <laughs> he would start to whine about something that was happening to him in the in the plot, you know, and then uh, uh, Peter Sellers would come out with a, a, a sympathetic voice,s "Don't cry, your record's doing well." <laughs> <So> everybody <laughs> would laugh about that. <laughs> You're selling records. Don't cry, Nettie. So uh, lots of lots of uh, terrific things about this, and I, I encourage all of you out there, uh, all three or four of you who who might be listening, to um, check out more goon show episodes they are available on youtube they're available on archive.org and other places and um you can buy them in in collections from the bbc and other sellers and um just go out there and listen 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 and laugh 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 Mm, yes so okay well great this brings us to the end of episode four of old-time radio essentials with jane st john paul arbisi and me pete lutz Next time, the cycle comes around to Paul again, and he's bringing us...
4: I'm bringing us a Connecticut Yankee, sponsored by Ford. Uh, Ford started putting on a weekly mm, drama series. I mean, they did musicals, they did comedies, they did the whole thing. Uh, And this was the first show in the series. They did about 39 shows. And this is a spin on the old Mark Twain classic. Uh, And it's been cleverly brought up to date... Up to date for 1947, that is. Okay. Uh, and so it's right after World War II, and so people still had that that mentality, and there was a lot of like wartime references to it, and there was a lot of slang that was popular around that era, and there, they even have a Ford in King Arthur's court. So.
5: Oh,
6: yeah, oh, so, oh well. and, of course they do. <laughs> yeah.
5: That's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Jane, Paul, tell the masses what they need to know.
6: Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the all-new Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.naradaradio.libson.com On iTunes, under Mutual Audio Network, and or Narada Radio
4: Company, and on any podcatcher that you may happen to use. Like us on Facebook, at Mutual Audio Fans, and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends, on Twitter, at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at f6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, and the word point. Oh, and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line.
5: Yeah, don't be afraid, dear listeners. Send us emails and tell us what you think of the show. And tell us what you want to hear. We did receive a very nice email about a week before we recorded this episode with lots of suggestions. And we want to thank the listener, Christian, for quite a list. We'll be listening to those soon and making one or two choices for future episodes. And now, thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to catch us next time on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody. Have a good one. 63 Audio.
4: Thank you for listening to Monday Matinee right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Tuesday Terrors for Horror, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for Action, Adventure, Mystery, and Crime Drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for Kids and Families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network.